Well, good morning. It's a good day, isn't it? So excited about uh, all that God's doing today. It's a lot of fun. Uh, be a part of a community where people are coming into faith and being baptized, new members, added, and babies. Boy, we got some babies, don't we? So, so grateful for you. Before I, I have a few thoughts today I want to share with you. They're very simple, and I, I won't take a lot, long time with them, but I want to communicate a transition on staff with everyone because it's really important. Jim Martin has been faithfully serving here on staff at Mid-Cities for 11 years, and he's been a longtime member and an elder before he even came on staff. And uh, he came to me a few weeks ago and said that he, uh, he and Becky had been praying, and they felt like this was a time of transition for them, not away from the church, but a, a, away from staff. There was an opportunity he had at the Life Center, which we are very, uh, very much a part of here in our community, and uh, felt like this was something God wanted him to do. And um, so we talked about it, and you might notice he, he, just had some, he just had some work done, some skin work done on his face, and uh, I, I give him a hard time. I've been beating him up ever since he came into my office to say he was going to resign, but Jim is so faithful, and I'm so grateful for him. Uh, and he, his last time on staff will be effective at the end of this month. And, um, and I'm just so grateful for who he is. Uh, he will continue to be an integral part of the leadership team here at Mid-Cities uh, and bearing weight in various ways as he and Becky always have. He's going to continue to serve as an elder at Mid-Cities, which he just has a really valued voice. Um, and I want you to know, because some of you may know Jim really well. Some of you may not know him from Adam. Um, some of you may be brand new. Some of you have been around here a long time. But I just want you to know I'm grateful for Jim and his constant and unwavering support of both myself and Mid-Cities. I, um, in 2006, when a 26-year-old became the senior pastor of this church, uh, Jim Martin uh, lent me credibility when I had none. And I'm so grateful for the support, not just then, but the continued support up until now and, and future support. I'm grateful. Uh, Jim is a guy who is passionate about the Lord. Uh, he's passionate about God and his kingdom. And his faithful, faithfulness to mid-cities has really been unmatched. Scripture says that we're to give honor where honor is due. And um, I wanted to let you know, you're going to still see Jim around. He's going to be uh, still working, serving in different roles. But, um, but his, his, he's going to be sorely missed on staff. And it's been a pleasure serving with Jim on staff in that capacity the last 11 years. And Jim and Becky, we honor you guys today. And we want, I want you to know that Mid-Cities wants to give you guys a, a, week, a, a week paid vacation, paid somewhere wherever y'all want to go. You guys are going to get, uh, we want to just honor you in that way. And we're grateful for you. So can we give honor to Jim Martin and thank him for his 11 years of service at Mid-Cities? Please tell him how much you love him, but don't say goodbye because we've got a lot of work for him to do still here. So he ain't going nowhere just for a little vacation. Get some time off. All right. Um, I have some thoughts, and uh, it, they center around Deuteronomy chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Um, these thoughts I have for you, um, I believe as I was praying for this moment, I have to do with the, the uncertainty and the time in which we're living. And... Um, 
I'm going to do this very quickly, but I, I just have a few things I feel like the Lord wants us to, to know. When things get hectic, God's up to something. When things get chaotic, God's not surprised. Deuteronomy 1 uh, t- retells the story. Deuteronomy retells the story of the other books. As Moses is recapping the, the story of the Israelites, as many of you may know, were enslaved by Egypt for 400 years, and then God miraculously, through his deliverer Moses, set them free. They, he parted the Red Sea, and there they walked on dry land, and he performed many miracles, and then he led them to the promised land. And once they got to the promised land, once they got to the place that God had promised them, They sent 12 spies in to check out the land. 10 of them came back with a negative report. Two of them came back with a positive report. The people believed the 10 and not the two. They believed the negative report and not God's promise. And as a result, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. 40 years later, after a generation had passed away, they entered the promised land with Joshua. This is a retelling of some of that story, the very beginning of it. And, and a summation of it. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, starting verse 20, says this. And I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and take possession as the, land, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Several things here in these verses I note. Number one. God has delivered them. He notes that God is the one who set them free from slavery. God's the one who sent Moses, their deliverer. God's the one who opened up the Red Sea and let them walk across on dry land. God brought water from a rock. He's the one who provided food from heaven. They had seen miraculous things. God had delivered them and set them free. Secondly, God was giving them the land. The passage we just read says, see, the Lord your God has set this land before you. Go up and take possession of it. This is the land of the Amorites, which the Lord your God is giving us. God was giving them this land. How many of you know God gives a little differently than the way men and women give? Have your kids ever given you something and then took it right back? Here, I made you this pie. Let me eat most of it. Here's a, here's a piece of candy. By the way, can I have some, right? This is not the way God gives. When God gives, he gives freely. When God gives, he has a purpose and a plan. This is a land, a, 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 a land that he was giving to them. The land was set aside. Not only had God delivered them, not only had God, was God giving them the land, but thirdly, he says, do not fear, do not be dismayed. Don't worry, don't fear. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Why would God say that? It's almost as if God knows what's about to happen. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. The story goes on that the spies go off and the 10 come back and they share their report. And the two, uh, two, Joshua and Caleb share their report and it's a positive glowing report of how wonderful the land is. And they believe that God's word is true. And yet the people reading the headlines, they believe the 10. Look at verse 26. Yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God 
And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us and he brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt saying the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and they're fortified up to heaven. And besides, we have seen the sons of Anakim there. The Israelites were afraid and dismayed at the report that they had heard. There were enemies, there were giants, they were taller than them. There were cities with fortresses seemingly up to heaven. There was opposition, there was fortified cities, there were difficulties. And they began to grumble and complain, God, why did you save us so that you could bring us out here to destroy us? They were afraid, they were dismayed at the report. Verse 29. Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God has carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Moses is telling them, God's promise is, is that you are going to give you this land. He's giving it to you. And the fact that God's giving it to you is more important than the giants. It's more important than the opposition. It's more important than the fortified cities. It's more important. God is the one who says he will come and fight for you. He says, matter of fact, he recalls the fact that he had led them out of Egypt. God had led them out of Egypt as if God was a a man, a dad, carrying his son across crazy terrain. Verse 32. Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God. They didn't believe God. Now, we stand here today. If you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus... How many of you know you stand here today only by the grace and the mercy of God? It's because you once, as I was, were a slave to sin. We weren't a slave to the Egyptians. We weren't a slave to some people group. We were a slave to sin. And yet God in his mercy sent his son Jesus. And by the faith, the faith that we place in him by his grace alone, we are are adopted into his family. We're forgiven of our sins. We're promised eternal life and we are saved from slavery. Isn't that good news? Some of you are here today. You're becoming members of this church or you watched your babies get baptized today or or, or maybe a loved one get baptized in the next service or you're here today simply, you're alive today because of the grace of God in your life. Because of his love and his mercy and the fact that he carried you at times when you couldn't carry yourself and when you couldn't walk through the train yourself, God brought you through it. He provided from a rock for you at times. He brought provision from heaven for you at times. There's moments where he literally threw you on his back and took you through your circumstance. And then God's told us in his word and instructed us that he has a life for us and the land he wants us to possess. There's, there is fruit 
to be bore. There is disciples to be made. There are people to be reached. There are people to show God's love and compassion and mercy, people to take the gospel to. The, the land that we're in is plentiful now that he's brought us out of slavery. And yet God's continual refrain to you and I, it was then and it is today, is don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. One of the most common phrases throughout scripture is do not fear, do not fear. I am with you, says the Lord, do not fear. Don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. Over and over again, Old Testament, New Testament, it says it over and over again. And yet the potential chaos and the hectic world that surround us that we live in brings about a bad report. The headlines today speak of Ebola. The headlines today speak of ISIS, border security. What if, what if these guys get here? What if they come through the south or the north? Or what if they come in the airports or in different ways? There's a growing distrust in government and leadership, not just nationally, but even statewide as reports of an activist council and mayor in Houston threaten religious liberty. Oil prices, you may have noticed, have dropped 20 to 24% in the last few weeks. Nobody cares about that here, do they? Uncertainty abounds. Future, job, government, war, Jerusalem, Israel, and the Palestinians. The unrest in the Middle East throughout, it's spreading. Is it going to come here? There's worry and fear and anxiety and a great opportunity with today's 24-hour news cycle and the internet to be consumed by what's going on in the world and how dark it is and how desolate it is. But church, you need to know something. God is not surprised. And he's not afraid. Matter of fact, Proverbs 15 says that God's eyes see everything, both the good and the evil in the world today. God would say, do not fear. Do not be dismayed. For God will fight for us if we let him. We must believe him. We must trust him. When the world freaks out and the world panics and the world is filled with fear and worry, then worst case scenarios and all of that, we don't join them. The reason we don't join them because we have a hope that anchors us. I'm not saying the threats aren't real. I'm not saying that we should not live in reality or not read the news or know what's going on in our culture and our world. But I am saying that we have a God that is bigger than ISIS. We have a God that's bigger than Ebola. I know three people have been infected among 300 million here in the United States. Three. 300 million. But I'm not going to allow that to affect my faith. Instead, I want my faith to affect that fear. You see, there there are lots of real concerns. These things I don't belittle, I don't make small, the oil prices, there's real jobs at stake, there's real plants, I get all of that. But my concern is, if we go along with the world, if we go along with the culture, freaking out, fearful, worried, reposting on social media, worst case scenarios from a very unreputable sources, 
We will be operating out of fear, not out of faith. We will be practically doing the same thing the group of Israelites did years ago. We're gonna be reading the 10 reports of the negative headlines and making decisions based on that instead of the two operating by faith. I know you parted the Red Sea for me, God. I know you provided for me and you've set me free from slavery, but I just don't know if you can handle these three people with Ebola. God, I, I know that you've, you've redeemed me and you've forgiven me of all my sins, but, but I don't know if you really know what's going on in the world today. God, I know that you can move mountains and you can speak one word and create it into existence, but I don't really know if you can handle our, the distrust in our government. The biggest opportunity, church, that we have to bring hope to others and peace can be upended by our fear because we live in a time where people need hope. Now, maybe your head is in the clouds and you live on some other planet and you've busied yourself so much you haven't looked around you. But I would encourage you to look around you and see there's people who need hope. And hope is only to be found in Jesus. This is a time to offer that hope that Jesus gives. He is the anchor. It's not the time for Christians to freak out. He's the captain of our ship. I'm not going, oh God, I don't know if this ship is gonna make it. Isn't Jesus your captain? Yes, but I don't know. Can he navigate the waters of, can you believe this, Middle East turmoil? Can Jesus navigate the waters of disease? Can he navigate the waters of government? Surely there's never been a government mistrusted before. Can Jesus do all that? Absolutely he can. And let me encourage you, church, when darkness is present, the light gets lighter. And he's called you as a believer in Jesus Christ to be the light. What if you're the light in your workplace that Jesus wants to shine brightly? What if you're the light in your neighborhood or you and the guys that get together at the donut store for coffee or you and the ladies that that let the kids have the play date? Wherever you are, whatever you do, what if you're called to be the light of Jesus, to bring hope to that situation, to bring peace to it? to bring some perspective that Jesus is our hope instead of, man, I'm worried about what's going on. Let's talk about this and get anxious and worried and upset. Instead, what if we said, the reason I'm calm is because I'm anchored and found in Jesus Christ. Jesus has called us to be lights in dark places. How do we do that? Write these three things down. How do I do that? I can't expound much on this. I just want to tell you. Number one, fill up with faith. Everyone say faith. Fill up with faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're, if you're listening more to Fox News than the word of God, you probably have a little more fear than faith. All right. For the three of you out there, for those of you that watch MSNBC, there's three of you. If you listen to more of that and watch more of that, if you get your news from Facebook, 
your great aunt so-and-so posted this about ISIS and they're all over the place. It must be true, I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> if you spend more time listening to that than filling yourself with the word of God, with faith, you're gonna have more fear than faith. And you know what? You're gonna look exactly like the world and no different. But that's not what God's lot for you is. He wants you filled with faith so when you're in an environment of darkness, you'll shine brightly. Does that make sense? Fill up with faith. That's in the word. Number two, this is a time to get in the word. Number two, choose to believe God's word, not the report of the spies. When you hear about ISIS, you go, what's God doing? How's he moving? Spiritually, you begin to see with spiritual eyes, God's doing something. What does God want to do in this situation? You begin to pray for that area. You begin to pray for the peace of Israel. You begin to pray for the, the peace of Jerusalem. You begin to pray for, pray for uh, the, those that are stricken with Ebola that are very serious right now. We need to pray for them. We need to look for the spiritual thing. Is God shaking us that we put so much trust in our medical system that we're not trusting him anymore? We need to ask those questions. You need to think with the spiritual mind and see with spiritual eyes, not just with eyes of the flesh. We read the report of God. Here's what God says. God says that this is a time to share the gospel. It's a time to bear fruit. It's a time to enter the land. It's not a time to stand still, be fearful and dismayed. Does that make sense? We read the report of God. Thirdly, don't just fill up with faith. Don't just choose to believe God's word. Thirdly, pray. Everyone say pray. Pray for your leaders, especially the ones you don't like. Pray for your leaders. Pray for the things that you see and that you hear. Go to God and begin to ask God, God, would you move? God, would you? I'm not saying we laugh at these serious things. I think we pray to them. We go to heaven when we ask God, God, would you take this scenario? Would you take this situation? Would you use it for your glory? We begin to ask God and, and pummel heaven with prayer. As Christians, that's what we're called to do. So while we're talking about what to do, let me give you two things not to do. Number one, don't freak out. Don't freak out and panic. If you come up to me and say, oh, the world is so bad, I'm gonna shake you. You tell me that, I'm gonna say, what have you prayed for today? What do you believe in God for today? Have you filled yourself with faith? Have you been listening to Sirius Radio all the way here and all the way home and all the way everywhere? And there's so much fear in your mind that man, that you can't even find faith. Don't freak out. That's what the world does. Christians don't freak out. Children of God don't freak out. My kids don't freak out every day. I wonder if dad's gonna, gonna you know, Bring food home today. I wonder if dad's gonna keep us safe from the boogeyman. No, no, no. They're confident, filled with faith, and they're not freaked out. Because I'm their father, and I'm gonna take care of them. How many of you believe your father's gonna take care of you? Don't freak out. Two, two, listen to this real good. Real good. Just got real country. Don't fear. Fear robs from faith. Fear plays into the enemy's hands. It's okay to be concerned and realize there's real concerns out there. 
but we come at them with faith and with prayer, believing what God says, we don't come at it with fear. We fear one. Guess who that is? We fear the one that doesn't just have control of the body, but has control over our body and soul. It's a godly fear, reverent fear. Church family, I believe God's called us in this time to be lights in dark places. And the great thing is, there's going to be opportunity for you to share the gospel of Jesus and the hope of Jesus with people if your eyes are open and you're seen with spiritual eyes. If you're concerned with self, wrapped up in who you are and your story and what you've got going on, you're gonna miss the opportunities. If you're wrapped up in the circumstances, wrapped up in how awful things are, you're gonna miss the opportunity. Now is the time to be a light. And even if it gets darker, we're not afraid. Amen? Would you stand with me?